Hello and welcome to the Daily Post podcast with Sachin Hadawa and Milan Bandari, where we will be talking about all the things worth talking about in the magical world of the NBA. I'm your co-host, Milan Bandari. And I'm Sachin Hadawa. And today, we are going to be covering our predictions for the end of the season. Although it's quite early, we want to compare what we think so far to how it's all going to turn out at the end. Alright, let's take a deep dive. I started, the new season has finally been started, we have a pretty good grasp on what some players might look like in the rest of the season and how some teams will be performing. We have had breakout stars like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, and we have had some disappointing teams like the Brooklyn Nets. Hopefully, a lot will change because it's only been seven games. But we're going to be outlining our predictions who we think will win MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Finals, MVP, Champion, all that stuff. So, Sachin, would you like to get started with the MVP award and who you think is going to win it? Absolutely. Don't Stephen say Curry, Curry for MVP. Campaign oh for Stephen Curry. How did hey, I know this was coming? No, 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 no. Let me finish. Firstly, that game against the Blazers was amazing. Like... That was so nice to watch. 62, a new career high. Beats out good old Damian Lillard. Oh, Lillard's better than Curry. Oh, Lillard's better. Look at the stats. They say different. Oh, LeBron, he's so great and all. Beats out his career high, too, and destroys his um, previous teammate, Kevin Durant's career high. And Kyrie Irving's, I think, too. He just moved up in the rank. And Klay Thompson. He just moved up in the ranks for career highs. And I think considering how lethal of a scorer is, I'm actually a bit surprised it took him this long considering what an amazing player he was. It's not like he set his 54 previous record um, in 2015 or 2016 or something. Nah, he set that back in 2013 in the Garden. Very long time ago. And I'm actually really surprised it took this long. But I'm not going to blame him because he's consistent consistency over scoring 10 points one night and scoring 70 the other night. I'll take consistency, and that's what he is. But it's not like this is the only good game. He's currently averaging – well, I mean, these numbers have changed since Sacramento. But from what I remember, 36 from three, not very great compared to his other seasons, but among the average NBA player, pretty good, above average even. Um 36 from there, I think 45 from field, and 32.4 points a game to go along with almost seven assists. Stephen Curry is doing amazing this season for any player, not just himself. For literally any player, Stephen Curry is doing amazing. And he had another game after his 62-point game. He had 32 or 30 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists in a 31-point victory. So it's not like it's just one game that he had really good. No, he's actually genuinely doing good. And updated from the Kings stats, 32 points a game, one steal per game, 
6.4 assists per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, shooting 98.2% from the free throw line, a total field goal percentage of 46.3, and close to 37% from the three-point line. Those efficiencies are obviously going to get up. He had a really rocky start for this season. Um, it happens, you know, he had his whole injury thing. He's trying to figure out how this league works. But he remembers clear and well. He's shaking off the rust and back to the MVP form that we know him to be in. Millen, I feel like this is a fair statement that those stats that I just read off are MVP caliber stats. Would you yes, Sachin, yeah, And do you pick yes. anyone over Stephen Curry? Well, yes, Sachin, that is correct. They are MVP statistics. But as we know, statistics aren't everything. The Golden State Warriors currently have a four and three record, which it's not it's not awful, but it is not it's a succeed a, though. Like precisely. Precisely, precisely. So what I mean is basically you have to be the best team in the league or almost the best team to have an MVP candidate. For example, Derek Rose. He was by not by a long shot the best player in the league. But the way that his team was performing, he definitely was amazing. Yes, but actually you do bring up another good point, Millen. Um that's an amazing point to make. Um I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Your team success also matters. But the thing is, firstly, not only is this very very initial in the season right now. Like I'm telling you right now, they're going to end with a higher than a than a 57.1% win percentage when this entire season is over. They're guaranteed to have a higher winner, win percentage. I mean, as I said, Stephen Curry, the entire reason this team has any wins so far is got off to a rocky start, and they weren't doing too good. Then he started to get a feel for the NBA. He started to get a feel for the type of comp he was playing and just went off. He went absolutely off, and it's clearly rewarding him and his team. As I said, their most recent game being a 31-point victory against the Sacramento Kings, who are currently barely missing the playoffs. You could technically consider them making the playoffs, considering they have the same record. But, um, yeah. So, team success isn't the biggest thing, but it's also story. Derrick Rose had a huge storyline going for him in 2011. And it's obvious. Like, it's that's one of the three main, or main metrics in measuring an MVP. That would be stats, like just basically how well you did, how well you could carry your team, and two, your, or three, your storyline. And you're telling me that MVP, amazing player, who built his entire team up from the ground, won a bunch of rings, but then... Their entire team fell apart. Everyone, including him, got injured. Okay, not everyone, but exaggeration. Um, a lot of players got injured, him included. Had been out for a while. Barely got to play any games in the past one and a half or so years. Um, he was already injury prone from the start of his career. But he was actually playing great, and then everything fell apart. And now he's coming back averaging 62 or getting 62 points against Blazers or getting essentially a 30-point triple-double, very close to a 30-point triple-double in a 31-point victory against the Kings. Like, that's a pretty good story. Just 
is that just me? Because I feel like that's a really good storyline. Coming back. Well, then, well, if you're going to put it like that, Sachin, I'm sorry, if you're going to put it like that, then um, what's the name? Um, Who's the... Who I'm is sorry. Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, Roberson, yes, Roberson. Then he should be an MVP or at least an all-star, Sachin, if you're going by that storyline. Guy um, gets injured. I know, I know, injury... I'm, but he doesn't have the stats to go along with it. Or the team success. Well, I mean, maybe you could credit him some team success. But you cannot credit him the stats. I said those, those are the three main things. Stats, team victories, and storyline. They're almost equal. You could argue stats is more important. You could argue that your team winning is the most important. It'd be better to be on a 82 and 0 team but averaging 15 points versus averaging 79 points a game but having a 0 and 82 team like you could argue yeah, that yeah. Just, just, having just, wins just, is more important going by um going by like if the warriors have a consistent if the warriors are consistent such in yes. they are going to be a far stretch from the best team in the league they're going to be a playoff team but they're not going to be like by far, like a one seed or a two seed. Yeah. So such yeah, they won't. They won't be the so, one so, seed. Such, such an, I see an Allen Iverson situation coming up. Oh God no! God puts up insane stats. Okay, like mind-boggling numbers, but then gets the eighth seed in the like gets the seven and eight seed in the playoffs and does not have an impact. But no that's offense. exactly what I'm saying. The impact on his team is so evident. It is right in front of your face. It's not good enough. When he does bad, when he does bad, I remember there was this ESPN. um, I was watching ESPN the other day. It said when they lose um, so far, when they lose something like 20-something points, 21 or 22 a game, when they win 43.4. And, yeah, it's only been seven games, and one of them was a uh, 62-point performance. So, yeah, the 43 isn't the most realistic by the end of the season. It probably won't be. But the ev- the evidence of the impact is still there. It's great. Or, or, I mean, it's a huge impact. I mean, when he does badly, they're almost guaranteed to lose. But when he goes off, like, 62, 30, and 9, and 8, when he does stuff like that, they get wins. He was the backbone of the team. He was the – well, I mean, you could consider Draymond to be the backbone of the team. But he was their weapon, and he was what – got them to rings, to wins. That's who Stephen Curry is. And when he wins, they're almost guaranteed, or when he gets better, when he plays good, they're guaranteed to get a win, essentially. I mean, come on. All right. All right, all right. But um, the, I'm not going to – I don't want to continue this argument anymore. So let's go on to the defensive player of the year. And I think that this is going to – per game but real deep statistics that cut into the bone for example he is leading the league in defensive um in defensive winchers with 0.7 which is outstanding in only the first seven games of the season defensively he's almost given the cavaliers a win for like from his defense i mean that's undeniably the best defense that you can play Sachin, do you agree with me? I would agree with that statement. I would agree with that statement. 
But like once again, the stat and yes, those are important stats. You always have to look for the smaller, more marginal stats. I understand, but it also does matter in deciding which stats are relevant and not. For example, defensive rating is very relevant. I would agree with you on that. But tell me, Millen, if you had a player with the best defensive rating in the league, right, would say a 45, or no, a 50-win team, right? And then the other player, or, but he was averaging, say, seven rebounds and 20 points a game, right? Versus somebody averaging, say, 35 and possibly mm, seven assists, 10 rebounds, right? Now, you have that type of player, and their team has won 60, 65. Basically, any win count that is evidently better than the other team and the other person. If you have to choose between those, not only better face-up stats, better well-known stats, but more team wins, and a better storyline. You also have to factor in storyline, one thing that I forgot. You also have to factor in the storyline of the player. And then when you take that into consideration, while these stats are important, the lesser known, but nonetheless extremely important, then the argument is not as, like, you know, effective. Um, well, um, statistics for the people that are going to be voting on the Defensive Player of the Year, they're not your everyday basketball fan. They're people that would go deep into how the player is playing and their statistics. Yes. And so I, would I agree with that. I would definitely think that a person with even a slight interest, like a slight higher than average interest in basketball, would want to know more statistics than just points per game. And it's super yes. easy to find them. Yes, so I would agree. I think those stats no are, as, as I said, they are very relevant. But the thing is, so, regardless so no of that, you reason. also have to go deep into every other facet of the game. Well, I don't think that's a good point for the sure fact that um, when you're judging the defensive player of the year, the only thing that actually should matter isn't blocks or steals. There should be one deciding factor on who gets the defensive player of the year award. And I'm going to end this segment right after this because I am right. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm not going to do that. But um, it's, mm-hmm. that, it's the defensive rating per 100 possessions compared to the averages. So what you do is you take the defense. So you first you get the average for all the players in the NBA and get their defensive rating. Then you create a Z-score comparing a certain player to the average. And then you can determine who is the best player. It's a bell curve. Simple math. So, and I actually did one of these analysis earlier this weekend and found that, yes, Andre Drummond is the best defender comparing to the average. Okay, Sachin, do you have anything to say? That's no, what I thought. although I would agree. <laughs> I would agree that Drummond is probably the best candidate for de- defensive player of the year. But as we notice, stats clearly do not mean the most. They mean a lot, but they don't mean the most to the people, the panel, deciding who will be uh, who will receive which award. I mean, yeah, it does matter, but there are some situations where it's just been 
who actually did get the most blocks, was the most electrifying player on defense, stuff like that. That has sometimes been put into play. Not but always. In, in, in recent history, in recent history, blocks have never mattered. In fact, the lead leader, the lead leaders in blocks have not won a defensive player of the year since, if I'm correct, 2007. I mean, if if the panel was as biased as you're saying towards the flashy plays, then Hassan Whiteside should have been the defensive player of the year. But no, in my humble opinion, he is not a good defensive I player. I would have said leader. Hassan. I'm He's the lead like Giannis. Giannis is averaging a block per game which is the same amount as James Harden. I did not say he would win it this year. He won't. Andre Drummond will. I guess that concludes the segment. All right. Okay, rookie but yeah. of the year. I think, I think oh, that it's kind year. of rookie of the year. Yep. All right. Okay. Yeah, um, Miller, please give me your insight about who you think as of current is going to win Rookie of the Year. Because you already know who I think it is. I think it's going to be obvious. James Wiseman. I know. But um, yeah. completely unbiased, I think it's going to be Mr. An- Mis- Sorry, my audio cut out. Mr. Anthony Edwards. And he is head and shoulders above other rookies. I have, in, in the past, expressed my distaste towards Anthony Edwards but you cannot deny his skill. You cannot deny how good he is at basketball. Sachin, I, I think that I, would you like yeah. to, yeah, okay. Yeah, what do you need? Yeah. I feel like you, well, you for certain, you kind of have a bittersweet um, image of Anthony Edwards. But if you want, I'll quickly gloss over the stats. Because I feel like those might be pretty important when talking about this. Now, um, I'll go into a couple of slightly more advanced stats, but not too many. Just the basic stuff. 13.7 points per game. A third of a block per game. 1.3 turnovers. Um, so that's actually pretty nice. Um, he's getting two rebounds and 2.2 assists. Shooting 42.7 from field goal. And thirty-one point four from three, also um, such and such seventy a, from free throw. You know, I'll give you a good point. I think that this is a fair point. So, um, Anthony Edwards, rookies are historically inefficient in their shooting. Correct, such <laughs> Yes. But Anthony Edwards, he's actually, um, besides for some outstanders who like some players who actually haven't played real minutes, pretty much every person in the NBA. So every rookie has um every rookie ha- um is shooting around like thirty eight percent. He is shooting forty two percent, which is actually amazing for a rookie. Yes. Such a, do you agree with that? And an, I would agree with that. And another important thing that stands out, you know, um considering the minutes played, right? Um, he's not even playing thirty six a game, not even close to thirty six. His per is twelve point nine. So that's actually fairly good. And, I mean, as we stated, he is shooting a lot better than some rookies historically, like Michael Jordan, for example. If I'm correct, he might have not had necessarily the most efficient couple of first years in the NBA. So 
and yet many consider him to be the greatest player of all time. And I feel like Millen, you might be part of that, right? Yes, I am. Yeah, but I will stand I mean, by what I said. Michael Jordan is undeniably the greatest player to grace the basketball courts. <laughs> and it's this is an argument for another day, but there is nobody on this earth who, in my opinion, should think that, that there's a single person better. Stephen than Curry got, or I believe that Stephen Curry is, but, you know, we all got our own opinions. Wait, um, can you repeat that? Can you repeat that again? Can you, you actually believe that? Um, to an extent, yes. So, so um, I believe he's the top two or three player of all time, and when it's all said and done, he might be the greatest player ever. Okay, yeah. I'll be using that audio clip for years to come, Sachin. So you will. Be I like... know you will, and that won't be too much. <laughs> okay, but yeah. Right, so now, um, Michael Jordan's field goal was fairly good, but he shot seventeen percent from three point. Edwards essentially doubles that number. So this is a testament it's, to it's a different era. It's a different era, Sachin. It is a different era to shoot. And he yes, and he barely even took three point shots. But that's also a point. You're not necessarily going to get better by shooting more threes. You're gonna get a more accurate number in um that you would probably be shooting, yes. However, you're not necessarily going to get better percentages. You can go one for one and be 100% from the field and be Dwight Howard. That doesn't mean that if you shoot five threes a game, you're still going to be shooting 100% from three by the time the season's over. That's not how it works. This actually might get to be a worse percentage. But my main point here is that this is proof that nowadays rookies, Edwards is one that exemplifies this. Edwards has already, at a very young age, been able to refine his game to a certain extent and already understand what works for him. And that's always a very, very good and promising sign in rookies. Mel, would you agree with that? Yes, I would agree with that. But um, I think that we should move on to the next subject, which is yes. NBA champions. I think that it's undeniably going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Why are you all of a sudden a Cleveland fan? I'm kidding. No. Um, to be honest, I think that is going to be the town from Phil the team from Philadelphia. I think it's gonna be the Sixers. Such an don't I know that you're gonna say the word. No, I'm not gonna say anything that's it. No. I respect the process. It took a while and look at look at the fruits of their labor. Like, come on, man. Team is amazing. They've done quite a lot. Got a great young core with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And the greatest part for Philly fans, multiple times and once more, James Harden has publicly asked to be traded to Philadelphia. So while some people are like, oh no, he's gonna ruin that team because he's gonna ball hog, thing is, I think he's a perfect fit. He's all about efficiency. He's all about shooting far as possible. And let's be honest here, his three-point percentages are not as bad as some people say. I mean, come on. James Harden is actually doing pretty good. He's actually doing pretty good. And that's nice because now we can see um, that James Harden 
would fit so well with his three-point shooting ideas. With uh, And then you compare that with Joel Embiid, um, who likes to go into the low post. Ben Simmons has been shifted over from guard, and he obviously likes to operate lower down. But he's a solid slasher and playmaker, and Harden is a shooting playmaker. So, I mean, this is kind of like the perfect fit. And assuming James Harden can change the way that he needs to in order to win a ring, which he clearly does desire, so that people will start taking him more seriously, I think that he could actually be a really nice fit for Philly, and this could be a champion. This could be a dynasty. Milan, do you, would you think that that's a fair statement? Would you think that that could be altered in any sort of way? And um, to go along with that, to actually fix, to, to like just fill in another, to fill in another like segment, the finals MVP will be the one and only Danny Green. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. Awkward no. silence. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to be Danny It Green. actually might be, depending on how he plays. Oh my gosh, no, okay, no, no, no. Can we please no. stop clowning Danny Green here? He had a bad I'm not time clowning him. In the I'm finals. stating the facts, Sachin. I'm <laughs> stating the facts. Yeah, yeah, but he did not have a but, great I mean, all time in the finals. That's okay. A lot of people have, um, you know, bad stretches and ordeals. That's not going to be entirely his fault, bad you know? stretches. I'm sorry, but bad stretches as in a year of bad stretches? Oh! Ooh. No, but um, no, I think that it's going to be Joel Embiid. Okay. Yeah, okay, Joel. That's fairly respected. I honestly think that the Warriors have a chance of winning. Completely unbiased. Unbiased. As stated earlier, when Stephen Curry plays good, his team wins. And considering their style... And considering what Curry has the potential to do now that this year he so far is not injured yet and Clay Thompson is not here, he could be amazing. Everyone was saying last year, oh, KD and Clay Thompson are gone. Stephen Curry is going to shine now. This is his year to be amazing, right? But then his entire, firstly, he started out in a slump. And then secondly, that entire year was cut short by one, the virus. And two, even before that all happened, his injury, his left-hand injury, which took him out for the entire season. Now he's back. Hopefully he doesn't get injured. If he gets injured, um, I'm still going to like the Warriors, but what's he going to do? If he gets injured, that would be pretty bad, although I wouldn't be the most surprised. But I think that this year he's going to do amazing things. So the Warriors might actually have a chance to become champions once more. And Curry will get his fourth ring. That's the goal, and it's possible. It's very much possible. But with that, I believe that we are going to be wrapping up today's episode of the Daily Post. I have one more thing to say. I have one more thing to say. Right about now... You will hear an audio clip of Sachin saying that the Warriors have no chance of winning the NBA Finals. We're cursed. Our team is just not going to do good. And that is the Daily Post podcast. We will see you next week.